Hi there, guys. Welcome to McCann Dogs Live. Uh, this, if you were with us last week, you would have seen um, our, my live stream talking about Deegan and how that amazing black lab of mine shaped my life. She changed the direction of my life and you know how grateful I am for her. Now, today, we're going to find out who uh, the, the, the dogs that had the greatest influence on Kale McCann's life and how Kale McCann became uh, an agility trainer so, uh, you know, to such an extent that she had an, a career in dog agility. I had. Did I lose it? Uh, has. Yeah, she, <laughs> you have a career in dog agility. So I'm Ken Steep. I'm Kale. Welcome back to McCann Dogs. So there are going to be some uh, pretty great um, pictures, and Kale's actually brought some pictures from our. We have a picture wall beside uh, our treadmill in the in the dog room, and uh, we've got some pretty cool pictures. I think you guys will enjoy. If you know um, Kale's dogs, if you know Kale, uh, we've got some pretty awesome pictures uh, to, to to talk about how you guys, but. They're pretty old. Yeah, they are pretty old. But they're, you know, they're, it's fun to look back and, and remember those dogs. You know, I talked about the significance that all of these dogs have on our lives. And, um, you know, it's funny how much impact they can really have. You know, you don't realize it at the time. But, you know, all, each of these dogs, uh, you know, leaves an impression on us. Yeah, we were obviously talking about this because of Ken's live stream last weekend with um, with him speaking of Deegan. But uh, this week while I was teaching, I had a student come up to me and ask me a question that kind of like caught me off guard a little bit. Um, so Jose, if you're watching, I know you watch a lot of our stuff. Uh, Ho Jose with Bella, um, a little shipu, she's super cute. Uh, he said, you know, what, what, when did you first realize that you like had a passion for dogs or love dogs. Yeah, it's a great and, question. Um, I really didn't know how to answer, which is so strange, but I guess it's because it's like, it's instilled in me. I was sort of <laughs> born into it. So it wasn't like right. all of a sudden one day I was like, Hey, I kind of like dogs. I kind of like doing dog stuff. It was just something that um, I grew up around and I just sort of, I don't know. I didn't really know anything else, but oddly enough, my, um, my brother and sister, obviously, I have a brother and sister that would be around dogs just as much as I, I am, and they both love dogs a lot. They they have their own dogs, that type of thing, but they're not nearly as invested in in the dog stuff as I am, but my parents never really pushed it on us. They just sort of let us do it if we wanted to, and then when yeah. we had other interests, they were they were good good with that too. I mean, we did like a million things when we were kids growing up, sports and stuff. But I always seemed to do agility and fly ball and and all that stuff, even though I had options not to. Yeah, probably I, kept me in a lot of trouble actually. Yes, likely. <laughs> yeah, you were also a troublemaker when you were a kid. But I think that's really important. You know, the, the, your mom and dad gave you, you know, it wasn't all about dogs and dog training. So for anybody who doesn't know, just tell um, our audience your mom and dad's experience in dog yeah. training. Yeah. So uh, my mom and dad started our family dog training business, McCann Professional Dog Trainers, um, when I was born back in 1983. <laughs> um, two. No, three. It started in 82. Oh, I was born in 83. Um, <laughs> don't make me any older than No, that. no, no. <laughs> it's another awkward moment for Chandelier. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. Um, anyways, so, uh, yeah, so they started a business, and back then it was very small. They were sort of, um, you know, renting gymnasiums and renting space to, to have classes. And um, when I was three... Um, 
they got me a dog and all growing up basically we had all kinds of dogs and at one time I think we might have had like 15 18 dogs my parents were really into flyball back then and a whole bunch of other things so we just we had a lot of dogs that's certainly not the case now but when I was growing up I was just used to having dogs around all the time I was used to learning you know feed the dogs walk the dogs we lived on by the time I was three or five I think we moved on to our big property that we have now, which looked nothing like it does now. Mm -hmm. um, but basically, like I learned to, to walk the dogs around the property, and I was just in, really, really involved um, with that. And how um, old were you at this time? Uh, I was five when we moved there. Okay. When I started like being a little bit more with like the care of the dogs, I think I was probably like six or seven years old. Yeah. And I was like adamant that that I do it. So I had a little border collie. They got me border collie when I was three. Yeah. Uh, named Piper. She's the best dog ever. No, just hold on one sec. Cause I, uh, if you could, if we could have Marty and Deb McCann tell these stories, that, like there's a lot of really funny stories yes. about how adamant Kale was that she were the trainer yes. of the dog, even as a tiny little child. So this is, <laughs> I've always I, been a little strong willed. Yes. Well, <laughs> you're telling me. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, I had this dog and, you know, my parents, most, most parents get dogs for kids and are like, okay, if I get you this dog, you're going to have to walk it. You're going to have to feed it. You're going to have to look after it. Uh, but my dad was already looking after 15 other dogs. So he was like, I'll just walk your dog too. And I was yeah, like, yeah. no, you won't. <laughs> I'm going to walk my own dog. I'm going to feed my own dog. I, she had to have a crate in my room. Mm -hmm. Like she was my dog and we lived in the country. So I'm going to make myself like sound like a big loser right now. But, you know, unless we were at school, I didn't really like, I wasn't like living in a neighborhood where you could just spend like time, you know, I have funky hair all the time. I know right now. Mm. Um, you couldn't like spend time like playing with your friends at the park and stuff like that. Like I would have to be driven somewhere to do that. So right. I spent a lot of time with the dogs and, and with this one dog, um, you know, going on little adventures around my property. I ran away with her one time. I got really mad. That and, does, this doesn't yeah, surprise me. And I that. packed my wheelbarrow full of stuff, and, like <laughs> a bag of Oreo cookies and like a can of soup, which I wouldn't have been able to open. Yeah. You and, don't think of these things yeah, when you're a kid. Piper. And then off we went. And I think I went to like, I don't know, the woods, like on the other side of our property, like right. probably like 50 feet away. And yeah. I, I stayed for a couple hours. Like I thought I would like really like drive it in there. Nobody really cared though, because I figured <laughs> they knew I would just come marching back home when I was not mad anymore. But I think it was like eight, seven or eight when I did that. Anyway, she's like my best friend. Yeah. 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 And so that was your first, your, your own dog. That's the first yeah. dog. So um, over time you decided that you wanted to be a trainer, be a, a dog trainer. You know, as you got a little bit older, you'd, you'd raised and trained uh, a few dogs. So d were you uh, competing or, or, you know, doing demos in agility before? So let's talk about your first agility demo, your first experience with agility. When was that? Oh, I was doing agility demos as like a very, very young child. Yeah. So um, just to, to clarify for anybody, the McCann Professional Dog Trainers has been doing shows for, um, you know, places all over yeah, Canada, all over the, the world. We, and we also did, like when I was little, we did the Calgary Stampede. Right. We did the uh, Indianapolis um Boat, uh, boat show. Okay. I can't remember the exact name of it right now, which is really terrible. Uh, anyways, we did a whole bunch of stuff like that. The stampede was super fun. We did yeah. that for years and years and years. Uh, but yeah, I was just a little kid then. I, um, you know, I would do the demos, but it was interesting because right from them, I, right from then I was learning like how to memorize courses and how to run the dog around a course and things right. like that. And, and Piper was, um, 
she was uh, a pretty, like, she wasn't like a crazy fast border collie, but she was pretty decently fast. Um, but she was just so honest that she l just would do whatever I wanted. She was yeah. so good. And my mom at the time, it was really funny. So I was like six. Actually, I have a picture of Piper, and I don't know if you can see it. Hold it up there here so I can get it right in frame. So that's the first agility award I ever won in an actual competition. I don't know how old I am. There might be like a date on there or something. Let's see one. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I, I look like seven, maybe eight. <laughs> yeah, I was young. Anyways, um, but before I was actually competing for real, I was I was doing um, these demonstrations, which was a lot of fun. Um, and then when I started to compete, I had this dog that was like really ex. Like my parents helped me with a lot of her training, obviously, because I was just a kid. Yeah. Um, although I did teach a lot of the agility myself, and again, agility back then is nothing right. like it is now. It, it has changed a lot. Over yeah, the years. it was like. And how know, long was that? Twenty years ago. Yeah, something or like that. Twenty years ago. Um. Anyway, so uh, my mom used to get really frustrated. Well, she tells me now that she get frustrated because she had this wicked fast border collie named Bingo yep. that she could barely get around a course without like going off course. So I would compete with Piper and she would compete with Bingo and <laughs> I would beat her continuously. Right. I didn't really even get what was going on, but her dog would go off course because he was like so much better than my dog, yeah. uh, but really fast and she couldn't get him through. And then here's me and Piper just started tooting along and <laughs> and uh, we did... Uh, we we did a good job together she was uh she was a lot of fun but like i said it, we were doing agility very differently back then um you know it was it was uh it was good though people always ask me how can you memorize courses so easily because i can memorize them really fast but it's just because i've been doing it since i was a kid like my mom sat me down when i was little and was like okay here's how you memorize courses and and uh but, and i just sort of figured it out by then she helped me a lot my mom and dad helped me um my mom will tell this. She's really cute. So when I was little, they were like my coaches, and they would go to all the competitions and stand outside the ring. And yeah. my mom would help me walk the course and help me look for traps and all yeah. that kind of stuff. And then I started to get good. And then I was like, I don't really need your help anymore. I got this. And a couple of times, my foot was in my mouth, and I screwed up. And then um, this and then, is how Kale has to learn, though. I know. Like, I'm still stuffering. Yeah, consequences. And then somewhere along the way, I just started to figure things out. And then now my mom, now my mom's in my classes, and she's so funny she's always like asking me how to do things i mean agility is totally different now but like yeah. it's just the roles have changed yeah and i think she's that's... a really good student my dad not so much I hope you're listening, dad. <laughs> yeah your mom she, she's so <laughs> my dad is more like me well. he's more of like i'm gonna figure this out on my own and my mom is more studious yes yeah absolutely <laughs> so it, it, that's got it well, well let's get back to that let's get back to the idea that you know that that your mom you're you're helping your mom you're teaching your mom how to do agility but let's jump back a little bit because your mom and dad ran uh still and still run a uh very successful dog training business when did you get into the obedience side of things when did you start to become a, a family dog obedience trainer? um well i was capable of teaching classes when i was a young teenager but my parents wouldn't let me because the adults that were in the class paying for classes didn't really know me or know sure. my my knowledge so for a first couple of years i think when i was 15 or maybe 14 i just started working in the office mm -hmm. and i was answering phones and i was helping to fit you know equipment and signing people up for classes and 
you know, just doing sort of all the other things that need to be done besides teaching classes. And then I think when I was 16 or so, I started um, just helping out with classes. I don't even think I was like actually one of the instructors. Yeah. I was just like out on the floor. But I think quickly I was able to establish myself as like somebody who knew what was going on. Yeah. Because I did know a lot about dog training. I mean, and you'd be I, I was immersed surrounded in it. by it yeah, all the time. Right. At dinner, we would be talking about dog training. I would be, I would go and sit in the back of the hall and I would watch all of my parents' trainers um, train their dogs. And, mm-hmm. um, one of my great friends, Robbie Stevenson, I always I always tell her this. When I was little, I used to sit in the back of the hall and I would watch her train her dogs in agility. Yep. And I would just be in awe of like how awesome she was with right. her dogs. Yeah. And uh, I was like, I want to do that. Like, I want to do it better. Yeah. Just I hope Robbie's around. watching or Robbie yeah. watches the Yeah. Oh, I tell her this all the time. Yeah. She's my inspiration. Now she laughs at me because she hasn't done agility in a while. But uh, yeah, she was so smooth and she could do all these crosses yeah. and that's when like agility was changing. Like that's when stop contact started to come about. And that's wh- when, when like, did you say that was? Like when, when did oh, you start to see the change? This was, so Ping Pong was born in 1999. So this was probably like early in 1990s. That, okay. That like stop contacts was starting to become like more popular um, and like actually doing crosses like where you would like legitimately front cross like on purpose right opposed to like just get your dog around right like right. when i first started contacts for example you you would tell your dog to go over the contact and then you would tell them to wait at the top of the a-frame okay and then you would have them come down one slat at a time so you'd be like okay wait okay wait okay wait all the way down oh, and wow. as soon as one paw would go in the yellow you'd you would release, release them and go to the next yeah. thing like it was so inconsistent and so I know, Monk. And so slow. Yeah. But, like, hilarious to think. Yeah. and That I, was just the way you did it. It was so, yeah, so dramatically different. And I, knowing what we know now, you know, it's going to be challenging for the dog to understand what exactly yeah. is going on there. I know. They, well, but, I mean, I didn't notice at the time, but they seemed right. like they were having fun. So. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. But I think now maybe the focus has changed a little bit. But before yeah. we get too far off track here. I want to ask you guys uh, that are in the stream right now, are you a dog agility competitor? Are you know, are you starting a dog in dog agility or do you want to start a dog in dog agility? Let us know in the chat because I find that stuff really interesting. We have quite a wide variety of people mm-hmm. who watch the channel and um, quite a lot of dog agility fans, I think, mm-hmm. for sure. Um, so uh, you t- mentioned ping pong very briefly. Now, your Kale McCann dogs... Um, logo is a picture of ping pong yeah um so talk about ping pong who who ping pong was her significance in your dog agility uh you know what breed maybe she was so um after i got piper and i started to do competing and i started to do um such a weird picture notice the fancy uh picture we don't have to hold the picture up um i got her uh i actually before i got her okay um, before I got her, I had another mixed breed named Cosmic, and he was um, a Whippet Border Collie Jack Russell, which is, like, really crazy to think of at the time, although they're, like, super popular now. At the time, it seemed like a pretty unusual um, mix. Uh, and he was pretty good, uh, but I was, like, 12 or 13 when I got him, so I wasn't really... I was still trying to figure out how to like train a dog on my own and to get him to listen. And he was a terrier and he was pretty good, but like I had some real challenges with him. Right. Um, he's a good dog, but just sometimes he didn't listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, so then I got ping pong when I was 14, I think. 
Maybe 16. I don't remember. Mm-hmm. I can't remember. She was born in 1999, so however old I was at that time. You can do the math. You're better at math than me. <laughs> um, anyway, so when I got her, she was um, a Border Collie bred to a Border Jack. So mm-hmm. she was three quarters Border Collie and one quarter Jack Russell. And um, she was uh, the first dog that, fun, funky, she found the toy box. Hey, <laughs> come over here. You lie down. Um, she was the first dog that I sort of realized was had the potential to be competitive. So, and at that time, a lot of the agility training was changing. So I was ready to like, you know, start doing a little bit more competitive thought sure. you know, behind things. And yep. I had competed a lot before that in, in all kinds of organizations and just gone for titles and um, that type of thing. But then when I got ping pong and I started to get a little bit more serious about it, then I started doing things like, you know, wanting to compete in regionals or nationals and like right. things like that, which is not something that I did prior to her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, that was uh, had to be exciting when you were – getting more excited about agility and you had a dog that was capable yeah and she was really really keen like she wasn't like super off the wall but she was super motivated she had so much heart like anything that uh yeah she was just a fabulous dog she was you know very level-headed um yeah, she was awesome. She was an awesome, awesome dog to train. Now, she was the first dog that you competed on a world stage with. Yeah, so she was the... Oh, look how cute she is. I know. Um, yeah, she was the first and dog... And it's ping pong at the top for Yeah, you. she's the one with the big ears sticking out. Um, she was the one uh, that I started doing... Um, Uh, more competitive agility with obviously and then I competed in 2003 at the nationals and I earned a spot on the 2004 IFCS team it's pretty exciting you must have been ecstatic I was 18 at the time and it was like a big deal it was a big deal um to me anyways (laughs) uh it was pretty exciting um and we went to Spain and it was uh uh, a trip that I've been to lots of world championships, but I still remember that one very, very vividly. It was a very interesting trip um, for lots of reasons, but um, yeah, ping pong was was great, and I think we ended up winning something there. I didn't win first there. I think okay. I won like maybe a silver or a bronze or something. Okay, I don't remember what it was in now. A jumping course, maybe. Okay. I don't remember. It with the the world championships it worked a bit differently back then than it does now, so okay. it's hard to kind of remember them all. Um, but yeah, that was pretty awesome. But you you'd had a taste of international dog agility, and you were sure at that point you're going to commit oh, more time and effort. Hooked. Like yeah. that that was that is the that's what I wanted to figure out how to right. do better. Right, for sure. right. So. Ping Pong was the first dog to put you on the world stage. Let's talk about the She next. was the first dog. So she was um, however old at that time. What, six? Five? 2004? Five. So um, she actually continued to take part in world-level agility uh, up until uh, she was 11 years old. Okay. And at 11, at my last world championship, she went every single year. Uh, I won a silver medal with her wow. at 11 yeah yeah pretty was, amazing uh, she was an 
awesome dog. Yeah, yeah. And wouldn't I, we, when we talk, you know, we're at, um, we're teaching agility classes and you talk about a dog that will bark uh, at people when they're going slow. Was Ping Pong one of those dogs? If yes. if she felt like you should be going faster, she will let you yeah. know? If I was late on like a front cross or something, right. she'd bark at me. Yes. She was awesome if I would have my students handle her because if they were incorrect, she was just really good about it. She would just bark and be like, get out of my way or tell me what to do. She's right. really funny that way. Yeah. Um, I, we, we asked if uh, anyone was had an agility dog or was thinking about competing, and Chandler and Blake says, yes, my first dog. We're just entering advanced in AAC. Oh, nice. Well, it's a very exciting point to be at as you, you know, yeah. you're starting to reach those higher levels for, for sure. sure. That's awesome. So uh, let's talk about your next dog. So, you you know, you, you've got that – You've uh, got that taste for international uh, competition agility. You're, you're, you're loving dog agility training. Ping pong is a great dog to, uh, y- y- to work with, you know, loves to work. Let's talk about the next dog that you um, compete with. What's, who's, the, who's the next one? Cause, because you've been, you've been very successful on the international level with how many dogs? Six or seven now. So and and at varying jump heights, right? Mm-hmm. Like a different. So these are different groups of, uh, of competitors. Yeah, Ping Pong are... was at the medium jump height, and then um, the next dog I got was Jitterbug. She's Border Collie, and she was obviously at the large jump height because she's a bigger dog. Um, and I got her because my mom owned her mom, mm-hmm. and I used to run that dog a little bit when I was younger, and I really liked her. Um, so I ended up getting Jitterbug and I was really excited to get Jitter because it was like, I hadn't had a Border Collie, um, since Piper, obviously. And, um, I was just excited to have a more competitive dog. And and here's a a great, great little fact. Yeah, maybe. So here's a great little fact about Jitterbug is Jitterbug was actually my first agility dog. Now, um, I was a trainer at McCann Dogs for, Several years, and uh, when I we'd go to demos, uh, and this was a great thing about Jitterbug. She's also my first flyball dog, yeah. the first dog I competed at flyball with. But she was just an amazing dog, loved to work, and she was, uh, you know, um, you anybody could handle her. Anybody she was the sweetest. She was the sweetest soul. dog, but she was also the first dog that I competed in. Well, it, it, we did shows with, mm. but Jitterbug was a great dog, but. For you, she was very successful. Yeah, she was really – she did really well. Not initially. Um, initially, she was, like, much higher-minded than Ping Pong was, so I really struggled with her. Um, I can remember back to one of the very first regional championships I went to, and I was doing a jumpers course, and I think she went off course in every imaginable, <laughs> imaginable spot that right. she could. And I remember, like, going back to the tent after that and being like – I don't think I can do this. This yeah. is like, this is wait. Ping pong was so easy. Right. And Jitterbug was not so easy. But anyways, we got better as time went on. But and, just, um, and I just want to stop you right there for a minute because I know of a good story about Jitterbug um, with the tunnels. And you talk, is, is, are you talking about that right. same event? Yeah. So yeah. Jitterbug would just loved the tunnels. And, and yeah. I think it would be adorable knowing Jitterbug, uh, but it had to be frustrating when you're on yeah, the course. Yeah, she just kept going in the tunnels yeah. over and over and over again. And I think I got like... It's a high-minded dog. My minus... <laughs> it was at a regional, so they like take points off when you yes. go off course as opposed to just giving you a fault. And I yeah. think I was like in the minus, <laughs> minus thing. It was... The- you don't want to be really, it was really bad. in the negative. No. no, it was bad. No. However, you know, you worked with Jitter. You, you um, worked through some of this, some of this intensity, and mm-hmm. got her a little more focused. And what happened next with Jitter? Um, I ended up uh, figuring her out. We got a lot better, and then she um, made the 2006 team. Okay. Um, actually, what had happened at the same time is I had another border collie that I had got after. Um, named Slice, which 
turned out to be like the best dog I've ever had in my whole entire life. But that's like a whole other story. Um, but anyways, Slice at the time was faster than Jitter. She okay. was like really good. But I got select. I So Ping Pong, actually that picture you showed with the three of them up there. Mm-hmm. So this uh, year... I think it was this year or maybe the year before this. So, no, this was 2008. Okay. So, in 2006, uh, those three dogs made the team, the world team. Um, so, I made it with Ping Pong again. I made it with Jitter, but Slice made it as an alternate. And oh, she wow. was only, like, two years old or something at the time. Yeah. No, three years old. And uh, she was faster than Jitter, but, mm. like completely out of control <laughs> so if like i was going to go clean it was going to be like a great run but right. the likelihood of me going clean was very small yeah, that's so exciting yeah. though Those yeah runs it was that's what i loved about yeah. it so i hummed and hawed and i thought well and slice was the first alternate so i thought well maybe i won't take jitter and i'll take slice because like i could really win with her if i can't like put it together okay because she was a bit faster than jitter and i thought no you know what? i'm gonna take jitter because jitter made the team yeah. slice needs to eat another year to like get better so that's what i did so anyways, I went, uh, Ping Pong did very well. She won lots of stuff while she was there, um, but not any first place. Just uh, like, she wasn't look always the fastest dog, but like I could pull out a third or a second, no problem with mm-hmm. her. Um, anyways, and then I ran Jitter and Jitterbug ended up having a perfect weekend. So I went clean in like every single run, Okay, but I didn't win any individual rounds. I just like, I won like some seconds and some thirds and some fourths and whatnot. So uh, at the end of the competition, like I was feeling really happy about that because we just yeah. had a great weekend, but um, I didn't think it was good enough to like win anything. So they started to announce all of the winners and they announced third place and they announced second place. And I was like laughing with somebody and like not paying attention, which right. is pretty normal for me uh, because I just figured, oh, well, like that's okay. Like I was happy with sure. what we did. And all of a sudden they announced my name with Jitterbug, and I was like, what? And I, I guess because she had gone clean and it was, a like, a cumulative over the right. whole thing, yeah. she ended up winning the the world championship. Pretty, yeah. That so, anyways, I was like, what? So, anyways, we ran up, and it was, like, a very emotional. It was the first time I ever stood on the podium. It was the first time I ever heard my national anthem playing. Uh, except my dog is, like, super, super friendly. Yes. So, this is what happened. Oh, hang on one second. I'll just get rid of this. So I don't know if you can see, but there I am on the first place podium. And actually, this guy from England, who I still see from time to time, he's awesome. Jitterbug spent the entire national anthem leaned up against this third place guy so that he could pet her. (laughs) That is so jitter. She loved all people. She loved to be snuggled. She loved to be held. So that's how I stood and enjoyed the national anthem on my own and my dog got snuggles from the person next to her. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, and, and um, Jitterbug, so you, 21 world championships, 40 medals. Mm-hmm. Um, Jitterbug accounted for how many of those? Ooh, uh, for the gold medals, like maybe two or three of them. Yeah. That's it. Slice and and. And Funky are okay. the ones who won all the rest of them. But so Jitterbug, she was a great dog. Jitterbug was the first dog you uh, got podium with. Mm-hmm. That's got to be really exciting. She's mm-hmm. an amazing dog. So then you get Slice. Yeah. So tell me about Slice a little bit. And I know Slice has a unique story, but she ended up being, you know, uh, such a successful dog, but never intended to be an agility dog. No, I got her as a summer project to, not project, but a summer job. I was yep. supposed to train her and then sell her to a golf course to chase the geese. Um which is a pretty awesome life for a dog. Yeah. Uh, but after like six or seven months of having her, I f- 
quickly realized that she was pretty special and that I needed to keep her. Um, so I went crying to my mom and dad and asked them if I could keep her. And I had Jitterbug, who was only like a year or two older, so I didn't need her, yeah. obviously. Uh, but she was just really special. So I started to train her, and she um, she was really fast, mm-hmm. really fast. But like really good. Uh, good is in um, like um, – not naughty, like she was fast, but she like really just wanted to do everything that I wanted her to do. I yeah. just didn't know how to handle a dog of that speed. So, um, and again, back then the handling was very different. Um, I would avoid like front crosses on the landing sides of jumps because she would just smash through the jumps. You know, if I was in her way, I could, couldn't really get through a course very easily without her knocking a bar, but she was just really fast and really exciting. And she used to scream around the course. <laughs> And, like, make so much noise, and that would really stress me out because yep. I couldn't think because she was, like, <laughs> making so much noise. Right. So, finally, I was like, oh, this is just not working. I need to figure out how to run this dog because I, I saw that she, you know, had a lot of potential. So, I started to learn a little bit more about handling and, and things like that, and I got the barking under control. So, we were doing silent agility, so that was a little bit easier. Um, so, yeah, and then and then it just got better and better from there, and she's probably one of my most decorated dogs I've had she's incredible and then she started like our entire line of border collies so I bred her and I got slam we bred uh slam and hero and then we bred them and we got purple and rad and then we bred them and then now we have beeline so there you know she started like an entire entire like line of border collies for our family yeah yeah pretty special pretty remarkable dog now she was perfect now all all the while you are teaching dog agility at the hall, or when did that start? Was Slice the one, the dog that we started? Uh, I teach? probably started teaching agility um, back when I was running ping pong. So I was teaching agility pretty early on. Um, obviously, not to the level that I, I've taught like in the last couple of years, sure. but I was I was teaching agility for you know quite a bit. Um, and I always seemed to be successful at like regionals and, and nationals and things like that. Um, and then really around 2004 is when I started to change minds and go more towards like wanting to strive for the international route. And then right. every dog I got after that was basically my intention was to, to do worlds with them. Hmm. Now, how, when did you start teaching like seminars and things? I mean, some of this, you know, you'd garner a lot of attention through your success on the world stage. Yeah. Um, and when you talk about a dog agility career, I mean, there's lots of people who go out and train other people's dogs that never really have that kind of success. But uh, you have a lot of you've had a lot of opportunities to have success as well as have a, you know, a, a job every single week teaching yeah. dog agility. I think that um, I really benefited a lot from teaching obedience classes because I learned a lot about dog training because right. A lot of the problems that people were having in my agility classes were directly related to dog training. Right, right. Uh, Agility is actually quite easy. I mean, there's lots, you know, I shouldn't say it's easy, but there's like, there's like teaching agility and then there's teaching like obedience and basics to get agility. Sure, sure. So, and that's the part that a lot of people skip over and don't think is important or they struggle with because it's, that part's really hard. Like Mm -hmm. to train a dog, there's a lot of elements, there's a lot of things to consider, there's just so many things. So I think that teaching the obedience classes and just our basic skills really helped me with that. Mm -hmm. And then with our our agility classes, which I've been teaching for a long time, we had such a wide range of dogs and students that I was really able to learn a lot just from teaching. So, you know, I had my dogs and I was used to what I needed 
needed to do with them, but that was just only one avenue of, of dog because I typically was drawn to similar types of dogs, not necessarily breeds, but like minds of dogs. Yeah, I attitudes. usually had pretty motivated dogs and blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. Although I, I did have some struggles with, with many of my dogs as far as confidence. And, yeah, which we can talk about in a yeah, minute. Yeah, there's a video with, I talked about Funky. Yeah, and I'll link that in the... Struggles with her. Watching the replay, ever. that'll be in the mm -hmm. uh, description below. Yeah, but I think, you know, I worked with all kinds of people with, you know, Goldens and Labs and Beagles and right. Shelties and... Um, Mastiffs and everything, every breed. I think we did a, a little survey a little while ago to see how many different breeds we had in agility. Mm -hmm. And like we were up to like 70 or right. something like that. Yeah, yeah. How many different breeds we had. Yeah. And so, I love and this idea. So like you just learned so much about, which helped sure. me even with my own dogs, even Absolutely. though they were totally different. Yeah. It's just the, the process of learning was, and, was and, really helpful. And in being a teacher, you know, uh, I talked last week in the live stream about seeing a student do something and I think to myself that's a, I, I think I do that you know yeah. I recognize that I've done that and teaching uh, the variety of breeds the variety of dogs yeah. and levels of students. Oh it's so helpful because you'll see something and there's very rarely do I see something that I've never seen before Right now yep. because I've just been exposed to so much so there's lots of times where I'll see something and I'll be like oh I've seen this before and this is how we figured it out or right, sure. so it's just it's really helpful and I think um, when I started teaching seminars initially I, you know, lots of people were teaching seminars and I sort of thought to myself, like, why would somebody want to come to my seminar? Like, mm -hmm. what makes me more interesting to go to than, than somebody else? Obviously, I had success, but lots of people have success. So that wasn't really that interesting, is, in my mind anyway. No, this is a huge point And it's something that uh, you and I hear about you is that, you know, some people, um, some people are great agility handlers, but they might not be the you might have, might have challenges teaching, training somebody mm. else. And I always hear that you are such a good teacher. You're a great teacher for those people, you know, because you've, again, we've just talked about it. You've had so much experience doing that. And, and I think people really acknowledge or, or recognize the fact that you can help a lot of people because you've helped a lot of people. Yeah. You know, it makes you um, comfortable with it. Yeah, I find that a lot of the time if I teach a seminar, a lot of the things that we end up breaking down are dog training issues. Yeah. Um, you know, it can be something like a start line or it can be motivation or it can be focus or it could be getting the toy out of the dog's mouth or it could be teaching the dog to bring the toy back or people's timing, um, people's use of their voice, how they right. reward, when they reward. So many of those things can make or break your success and agility. And, yeah. and I, I am a big believer that that should be people's main focus when they start. Totally. Yeah. And, um, not only are you teaching obedience at that time, but you're also teaching agility. Yeah. So you're seeing like a hundred dogs a week, different uh, kinds of dog breeds, yeah. attitudes, temperaments and stuff like that. So I, I think I only say this because people tell are often saying to me these things. Like if I go to, and I love going to seminars with Kale. So if anybody's planning on booking like a cool seminar with Kale, I'd be happy to come along. <laughs> but um, in, in those times, you know, people will often sit down and say, you know, she's so comfortable teaching and she just um, has such a good eye for the agility dogs. And again, I think a lot of it, I, I'm sure, and you'd know best, that a lot of it comes from like that, the foundational learning, the foundational mm -hmm. teaching, teaching people dog obedience. And the timing is very I mean, experience similar. is really important, but also your understanding of dog training and, and how you learned about it. I mean... I learned so much about dog training from my parents and right. stuff from being around that I I just get how they think and what kind of information they need and that type of thing. 
different dogs. Well, in, in, in you know the collective minds of all the dog trainers at McCann's who've had these different experiences, mm-hmm. different dogs, you know, the shop talk stuff where yeah. you're like, oh, you know what? I had this, uh, whatever, you know, Belgian Malinois in class today and we had this thing and then we tried this and that worked. Like those conversations are really helpful. Absolutely. So that experience and exposure can really help out. So you mentioned uh, uh, briefly, we've had a video on the channel about Funky Monkey, who is a uh, world champion mutt dog and uh, she is a favorite. She, If you guys are just jumping in on the chat, let or jumping in on the stream let us know in the chat are you an agility handler are you uh you know uh new to agility are you thinking that you might want to get your dog into agility um because we're chatting today with 21 time world champion of dog agility kale mccann about how she started a career in dog agility you can see the nervous tick when i say that she's a 21 time world champion because <laughs> so she hates she hates it she's so humble and it makes her really so uncomfortable <laughs> so i i'm i'm like the hype man oh yeah let's go uh but i i you know i say that because it she, she, you know, certainly has earned it and she'd be very proud of it. Anyway, getting back to Funky Monkey, the world champion mutt dog. Um, talk about Funky. So, uh, Funky was a little bit of a different experience, uh, than you had had with your previous dogs. Yeah. Uh, the, the problem with Funky when I got her is that I was not in a good mind frame and I, because I had just lost uh, a dog shortly before getting her that was very upsetting that sort of caused me to, in a bad accident, I, I lost a young Border Staffy uh, dog. And, and, and nearly ended your yeah, dog training I sort of quit career. a little bit for a bit. Uh, right. I just wasn't into it. Yeah. Anyway, so I wasn't really in a great place when I got her. But then also the other like competitive part of me was, you know, when I get a dog, I want it to be, you know, a world champion and sure. all these great things. So anyways, um, Fun was really sensitive and very aware of, like, me and my feelings because we had, like, a, we, once I got her, um, my attitude towards dog training quickly um, changed and I got, like, sort of, I dove, like, right back in, like, with two feet and I just was crazy about about training her and, and doing stuff with her because she was just so she was such a fun dog to train mm-hmm. um, but then all the all the while I was sort of thinking okay like she's gonna be my next great dog and ping pong was like older at that time and she was basically at the point where she was retiring um, and I was just starting to get funky so I was thinking like ping made funky shoes very big to fill right um, because I figured okay but ping pong won all these things she was so great like funky's gonna be even better um but funky was um really sensitive to pressure and i think that she felt like i was putting too much pressure on her um she just would get stressy and then when she would get stressy she would get slow yeah uh only in agility so in fly ball she was a nutcase and every other part of her life she was like super motivated and crazy but there was something about agility that she just wasn't really that into um, so that was a huge struggle for us. So we, um, obviously we worked through that and now she's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but she taught me a lot about, about dog training and a lot about, um, not caring so much. <laughs> and that probably sounds really strange. Yeah. I but think the, this is so important. The moment I stopped caring so much about her doing well and more cared about like her attitude and how she was feeling about agility and how we were sort of working together, that like loosened the pressure and then 
it was like a whole new ball game after that. And this could really, I mean, this may be applicable to uh, some agility handlers out there. You know, if they're watching the stream right now or watching this on the replay, um, you had had success with your previous dogs mm -hmm. and you just had an expectation that it was going to go a similar way. It was going yeah. to be just as challenging or whatever. Um, but you recognize that Funky was sensitive. Funky yeah. was sensitive to the pressure. So you had to, you know, take some of that pressure off and you got more dog out of her. Yeah. Something else I would like to talk about it at, 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 uh, at a different time, maybe on the live stream, is um, at that time when I got fun, so that was like nine years ago now, ten years ago, mm -hmm. um, uh, the international handling scene was starting to get bigger in our country. So a lot of the time when I was doing training with her, the training was like very fancy. Sure. Like there was a lot of turns. There was a lot of like it was just harder agility. And I thank goodness started to realize that that style of training was not complimentary of what I needed to be doing with that dog at that time. So um, I was a good dog trainer. So she had excellent skills. I mean, she had beautiful equipment understanding. She had all kinds of independence, commitment, all that stuff. She was very, very well trained, yeah. but her mind wasn't there. She wasn't putting her whole heart into it mm -hmm. um, because it was just not a very motivating way to do agility. So um, instead of entering her in a competition, because skill-wise she was ready. Yep. I could have gone to regionals. I could have gone to nationals. I could have tried out for the world team, and I probably would have made it because she has good skills, but I, I wasn't happy with like our performance together as a team and I right. wasn't like getting that feel good feel out of running her. Yeah. I was stressed running her because I was worried about her being stressed and sure. then it was like this big stress ball circle that was like awful. Yeah, which can be really impactful. Yeah. So then I just decided that I was going to wait an extra year before I did any competing with her and then I just changed my style of training um, to make things a little bit more motivating and then a year later it was like we had like a completely different teamwork yeah and uh, if you're watching this on the replay um i will post a card right here now something to talk about funky but it's a it's quite an amazing story and to hear kale work through some of those problems and that's um occasionally we'll see that in um, a student you yeah. know they they really intensely want their dog to be successful and that pressures a little bit too much and in the, the dog. dog's like don't. Yeah, and from the out <laughs> from the inside looking out maybe it's hard to see um mm -hmm. but from the outside looking in as an instructor you could you can recognize it and it's hard to you know and it's one gently... of those i find it really challenging to help it with help people with it because you can tell people you know don't do this don't be like this this is what happens when you're like that it's too but stressful, unless yeah. they can actually internally change how they feel about the situation they will not be successful yeah and i've had to have lots of heart to hearts with people and tell them about my story and like really stress to them the importance of changing their mindset mm -hmm. and some people have been able to do it and some people have not so right. it's it's hard and you know if um you're not an agility handler and you've you, but you've trained in some obedience you see you can see a comparable thing in something like this stays oh if yeah somebody's you like, see stress in all kinds of yeah it transfers right down the leash or if you're on the agility field you know it can and transfer it's directly so to your dog. related to how the handler responds to it yes absolutely for sure and so to take us back for a moment, um, talking last week about Deacon, my black lab, uh, when I was an agility student, uh, I would struggle. You know, we have some trouble with the weaves. And Deacon was good, and, and then we struggled with the weaves a little bit, um, you know, later on in our training. And Kale would say to me, like, if, if she 
pops the weaves don't make a big deal of it because I was because I'd like, seen success. Yeah, go, oh. I would just get deflated. Yeah, and uh, it was so helpful. And then Kale would literally like we were running the dogs one day. And we decided to go into the arena and ha- let them have a good run around. And Kale just started just started running Deegan and Agility. Like was just running a random course, and she like nailed a challenging weave entry. <laughs> All 12 poles, head down, driving through, but Kale had no, you know, there was no emotional connection to it. She just Mm. did it. And it was at that moment that it really sunk in for me that I, you know, I I can see that how my emotions can impact her or or impact a dog. It also allowed me to see how, you know, another, you know, our student may, their emotional state may impact Mm -hmm. the dog. It was really, it was quite remarkable. It was one of those, uh, it was an epiphany. It was one of those aha moments, but it was really, really helpful for me, but if you want to know any more about Funky Monkey, um, we have a video on the channel, and it's pretty great. And I'll uh, I'll link it for you guys in the replay down below, or you can find it on the channel. You know how you have, like, some dogs that just, like, even when you say Funky Monkey, like, I just smile. Yeah. Because she's just... Right. I no, I get it. Her. See, now it's now it's infectious. <laughs> There's, I've got a case of the smiles, and I, you know, I yeah. think about Deegan and the impact that she's had. I just smile. You know what I could do with her? I'm thinking about Rad now. Look yeah. at this smile. I can't I help it. Or Mac. <laughs> I mean, it's adorable. <laughs> They're all cute. Oh, man. They're great. Um, so when did you, uh, I don't remember if I've asked this now, but when did you start going away? Like, what was that first time doing a dog agility seminar? You said you really never felt like, why would people mm-hmm. want, um, you know, me to come and train them? But when it happened, you know, t- talk about that experience for a second, even, even if you don't remember specifically where it was, but talk about, yeah. like, how that felt. I don't quite remember when I started doing it, maybe in 2000 and. Yeah. Or something. But talk about that. How initially, how did you, when you were first going out there, you know, you had a long history in training and dog agility, training dog obedience. You were very good at um, teaching. Yeah. Well, I was nervous when I went because I, again, I wasn't really sure if there was something that I would be able to do that, that like they couldn't just get from somebody else. Um, But then I quickly realized that teaching seminars was a way to like impact people people that I had not met before, like right then and there, like in the live flesh, which I really liked. And there was like so many little things you could tweak, especially too. I like going in when I haven't seen somebody before, because often, you know, because I'm a fresh pair of eyes, you'll see something that maybe other people hadn't seen. Mm -hmm. Um, or it can be something so subtle. And then when you tell them about it, they're like, wow, like (laughs) That was so small, but like it really yeah. impacted such a big thing. Sure, sure. Um, and again, that dog training thing was 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 really the dog training portion of it was really helpful. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It was it was fun. I, I really enjoy teaching seminars. Yeah, I know. And uh, you've had so. What are some of the unique places that you've gotten to travel all over the world? Because I know there are some that I'm very envious of, and one that we're going back to. In fact, one place. Yeah. But Kale's got. We had Funky on Kale's lap earlier, and she was petting her. And now there's I have so there's much funky hair, hair everywhere. Sorry. And to see her touching her nose all the time, and I can see. It's one because little I have like hair. little hairs in my nose. Yeah. Uh, I know I've taught and taught all over the states, yep. um, in all kinds of different places. South Carolina. Uh, I go to New Jersey a lot, mm-hmm. um, all over the place. Uh, I've taught in Germany before, in Finland, in Hawaii, um, in Hawaii yeah. which we'll be going back to next April. Amazing, yes. Next April. Next April. For a wedding. <laughs> Not May. Yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of places. 
And what I really like is like when I go to different places, and I found this when I was judging for a little while too, is you when you go to a different place, the trends and the styles are very different from what you know. Yeah. So sometimes I'll go somewhere and like there's like something that's popular there. Okay. That is different from where like what we would are. that thing be? Um, it could be like how they train something, like contacts, for okay. example, or like handling choices. Um or um, trends. I don't know. It's yep. hard to explain, but I definitely noticed that. Uh, and sometimes I learn from those things and then come back and, you know, bring it with me. And other times I come back and I go, wow, I'm so lucky. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. I'll, I'll tell you the one thing that I, we've been to some really great facilities for com competition and stuff, but I'm so grateful for the McCann Dogs oh, agility facility. Yes. It's really, really nice. That's one We're of the really main lucky. reasons why I stopped traveling around because I was going away and teaching in these cold buildings on hard dirt and like the people and everything. That was great mm -hmm. for sure. But when you come back and you stand on like a squishy floor and yeah. you're never cold. Yeah, it's really, really nice. We're really lucky. And, we often oh, overlook that. We just don't think about it. Like, I don't just, overlook it. I love it. Yeah, well, <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to do. Um, but uh, I just lost my train of thought. Oh, so um, if you guys are um, agility handlers and you have an agility question for Kale, drop it in the chat. If you're on Facebook, you definitely want to go over to YouTube so that you can your voice can be heard. You can be included in the chat. And I know we have a lot of um, of our viewers on Facebook. People don't leave the app because Facebook wants you to stay in there. But if this is your first time on YouTube, then you are. If you're on desktop, the chat windows over there and I always think it's over there and it's, it's like over there it's on the side but if you're on mobile it's just below and you can click the button for live chat so let's this brings us to today where you are teaching how many agility classes a week like 12 or something 13 13 agility classes every week uh, as well as like four three or four dog obedience classes every week uh, you have along with my instructors though I, I... I don't teach them all by myself. I right. have help. Yes, yeah. And amazing instructors mm -hmm. that you've, you know, uh, taken great time and care to make They're sure. They're awesome. They are. They, and actually, one is heading to World uh, Agility yes, Open. Yes, she leaves IFCS. today for uh, her world uh, adventure. Yeah. We've been on so many world teams together, and this is the first time we have not been together, and she's going solo, and yeah. I'm so excited for her. So good Jamie luck. Jamie and good. Wink. Yeah. Good luck to you, bestie. Jamie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was like sad saying bye to her yesterday. She's gone for two weeks. I don't know. We don't really spend that much time apart from each other. <laughs> I know. It's ridiculous. I know. <laughs> I have to. Uh, yeah, I'm sure you'll stay in contact via text or something yes, like absolutely. that. Yes, um, absolutely. So that, let's talk about today where you are. You know, uh, we have uh, Rad, who you're competing with and you've had some success with, and um, Beeline, mm -hmm. and she's in like the, some of the foundational stages uh, of agility, but like your training schedule with them, your training plan with them very briefly, sort of an overview of what you're doing with rad and what you're like, what it's supposed to be or what it is currently right this second. Well, I mean, so this, <laughs> that's a good point because you know, some of these, some people that are training in agility may think like, you know, I need to have my dog in the, uh, on the, you know, training five times a week, four times a week. But that's what, point. yeah. What, what really are you doing with those dogs? Uh, I don't really train very much <laughs> to yeah. be honest with you. Uh, for a couple reasons. Um, number one, I don't have a lot of time. I don't have a lot of energy. Sure. And I'm the type of person that I'm either all in or I'm all out. I can't be like half in. So yep. if I'm going to train and I'm not like fully invested, then 
I just can't do it. It's just, I, I don't know. It's just not my personality. Um, so most of the time I'll do like little stuff with them. I have B in classes uh, so that I at least get an hour to train her. In agility classes. In agility classes. Yep. Um, in, in Jamie and Ken's class, actually. Mm -hmm. they're, yeah. my, they're my teachers. Yes, yeah. Um, uh, and basically uh, for Kale, I just uh, tell her when her time is up. I don't have to offer much, you know, <laughs> advice unless it's something like really that she may not have seen. Yeah, or I'll hang out with Beeline. So, yeah. it's, I mean, that's a great student when they go through all of the different stations. It's, I like when they get to mine because I get to cuddle with Beeline. Yeah. But um, anyway, so she's in classes. Yeah. So I think the main thing that I do is uh, try to keep them in shape mm -hmm. um, so that they stay fit. Uh, I train a couple times a week, I would say. Yeah. Um, the length of time for each dog probably would like build up to maybe be for a whole week. I don't know, less than an hour. Yeah. So like say. maybe 20 minutes at a time. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get a break. Yeah. The odd time, depending on what I'm doing. I don't, uh, sometimes I'll do courses and, and sequences and stuff if I have something that I need to be working on, like timing or whatever. But a lot of the time I'm doing skills. So right. I'll do like a little bit with one dog and then put them away and then bring another dog out and do a little bit and then switch. So they get like a couple turns, but their turns are only like maybe six or seven minutes at a time. Okay. Um, very short and sweet. Um, but I also, like I have Funky, who is t ten and a half now. And I just, there's really nothing I need to train her to do at this point. Uh, but we do need to keep our teamwork. We need to keep right. our timing. I need to keep her fit. We leave for world champion, uh, the world championships I'm going to in three weeks. And uh, basically right now, from now until then, it's all about keeping her um, safe so she doesn't get hurt. Yep. And uh, just keeping her fit and loose and, you know, just doing little finessey things because there's nothing really I can do between now and then that I, I shouldn't have already done yeah, and you <laughs> before know now. So that, it's all about attitude. I think, um, I think in a future live stream, maybe in the next couple of weeks we can do or, you know, maybe after you go away. But we can do – we can talk about fitness and, like, just keeping, you know, some of the stretching and activities. And yeah. we can maybe even do it from the McCann Dogs Agility Arena. Yeah. I think that would be really cool I will tell you to have that, that as a backdrop. I mean, this is a cool backdrop, yeah. I, I think. So, anyway, I've worked pretty hard to build it. But I think having the Agility Arena as a backdrop would be very cool. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I will tell you that one of the things I'm most looking forward to – is getting home from Worlds and not having any more big competitions to do for the whole year because I decided just to not really do the whole competing thing this year. Right. No queue chasing, no trying to try out for World Teams anymore for this year. That's it. So when I get home, it's all about Beeline. Right. She's going to be, and I'm so excited because I haven't been able to like really – do a lot with her because I she can't be my focus when I have worlds coming up. Sure. Funky has to be the focus. Yeah. Brad has to be the focus. Slam has to be the focus. So uh, I cannot wait to train her. She's so fun. Yeah, and, and this is where, you know, as a, an agility handler, somebody who's really competitive can feel overwhelmed, you know, when you get into these oh, scenarios preparing for the All these people that have all of these dogs – it, you're crazy. I don't know how you do that. Well, it's I mean, crazy. we have seven. The we people do, probably think and we're I, crazy. I, I know. I, <laughs> I'm part of it. I wish, I mean, I don't wish that we didn't have any of our dogs. I'm not saying that. Yeah, but yeah. I would love to have less competitive dogs. And be able to focus on just like yes, two or something. absolutely. Yeah. It's so hard to to keep keep them all at tip top shape and yeah. to train them all and to be, you know, to be successful with them all. It's like 
I feel like it's a full-time job. I so, find it very overwhelming sometimes. Yeah, so at the beginning of the week, do you just sort of plan out, like, I know I'm going to work with this dog and that dog and this dog on these days? Yeah, or is it kind of, of like you get this feeling like, okay, tonight, because you're at the arena already, tonight I'm going to train Rad and Beeline or something? Yeah, uh, yeah, I kind of do that. I yeah. try to train, um, yeah, it's a short answer, yes. Right, right, I yeah. <laughs> I mean, I look at the week and I look at the lesson plans that I have, and then I decide sort of who I who I want to do each week at what night. Um, I typically don't train all of them on one night, but mm-hmm. if I don't train them, then they're obviously doing other things like going for a walk. Or, and by walk, I mean like I don't walk my dogs in a leash like around. I right. mean like go for like a run. Like yeah. they get exercise yeah. walking in the fields, and like they really you know get good exercise. Um, so they'll do that every day. And then on top of that, some of them will get training and some of them won't. Yeah. And, and sometimes it, I'm lazy and I just throw a ball for them. Right. Well, I think this is really important because some, uh, people might be of the mindset that you bring your dog, your, your agility dog out, you place them in the agility ring and you do your training and then uh, you take the, your dog home and you might go for a, a leash walk or something like that. But, um, it's kind of like cross training in sports, you know, there's, uh, in any sport, um, you, you know, you do the activity, whether it's whatever, hockey, baseball, some team sport, but you also do something like cycling or you mm-hmm. do something else that, um, it, you know, it's great. It, it provides the body some, some stability mm-hmm. and, uh, it, you know, it just lessens the likelihood of something, of injury. You know, it also, psychologically, I'm sure it's good for the dogs to just go out and go for a run with, yeah. with each other. You know, it's, it's not about, we're, the world isn't focused on the agility ring. Yeah. It's got to be helpful for them. Agility is just a, a piece. Yeah, just a piece of the, of the big puzzle. I think it's important for everybody to know. Well, uh, we're, we're almost an hour in. Um, I, I want to, uh, if anybody has any agility questions, drop them in the chat. But uh, Or if you're watching this on the replay, you can drop any questions or comments in the uh, comments below. And we, uh, we're pretty active checking out excuse me, our comment section. But um, I want to thank Kale for talking about her career as a you know, dog agility competitor, handler, uh, trainer, and teacher. Um, I hope you guys were able to learn something in today's live stream. Uh, if you, we have a, a whole section of like dog agility vlogs mm-hmm. where you can see Kale and I and uh, all of our dogs were training and, you know, uh, competing. competing. Yeah, we have some really fun vlogs from like Sinosport and uh, actually from Worlds last year. Yeah, from Worlds last year. So uh, I'll link those in the fun. description um, uh, after the stream, or you guys can go check them out now. I forget. I forget how they're titled, but if you find our dog agility vlogs, they'll definitely be in there. But I wanted to mention, if this is your first time on the channel and you consider your dog a member of the family, then make sure you hit that subscribe button because we publish videos every single week to help you spend some quality time with your four-legged family member. Um, so Shandlin has asked a great question. I think this is a good question to take just before we, um, before we uh, break. So Shandlin Blake, tip you, you give, give for, for foundation, foundation for a new puppy. For a new puppy. It's a 13-week-old border collie. Uh, at 13 weeks... I would be focusing on teaching my dog to retrieve. Yeah, and this is this is really funny because this is such a this is such this an overlooked is basically skill. when Beeline was that age, I did trick training. Um, I did so that she was learning how to learn. I did like very minimal but fun body awareness exercise with shaping just to get her to think about her body, uh, like things like back up. Um, 
stand on top of a little box, you know, things that were easy for her body. Uh, and then we did a lot of teaching her to tug and retrieve the toy right back to my hand as a baby puppy. It was also a way that I could exercise her up and down the hallway. I had her as a winter puppy, which totally sucked. Yeah. Well, I don't want, don't want to do that again anytime soon. But so I had to find ways to tire her out so right. that she wasn't driving me crazy. But, um, but that does a lot like, um, retrieving when you talk about that specifically, like it builds some focus, some drive. Oh, the uh, amount of time that when I teach a seminar that I can't drop a toy for a dog because they'll run away with a toy or yeah. people can't get the toy to the mouth or they give the dog a toy and then it laps around the hall right. for for three minutes and they're only getting seven minutes of their turn and they I can't know. get the dog back like yeah. drives me bananas well, like, it, i feel frustrated because i feel like i could be helping them with something else yeah and <laughs> other I think than that so as obedience retrieving, trainers retrieving 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 as obedience trainers we recognize how how much is lost when the dog has that sort of tendency yeah. to take the toy, run away, and run around. But also just think about it quite simply. That's like, you know, 400 extra yards that your dog has run during your turn. Or yeah. you, you, so, I mean, you're just, it's not yeah. effective and efficient yeah. training. But Yeah, as a, a puppy in that Shadowland. age, all the th things that I said and just basically uh, building a relationship, um, we have other things on this too, but uh, at that age, I also um, segregate my puppy from my other dogs. Uh, completely. Yeah. Like a hundred percent. Right. Yeah. That's uh, really, that's good. Yeah. Because then I can start to work on relationship and bonding and, and all that kind of stuff. So we I know a lot, not a lot of people do that or maybe they disagree with it, but, um, uh, it works. Right. It, well, <laughs> and, and it's worked, uh, how many times, you know, five, continuously. Five, yeah. With all of our dogs mm -hmm. over in your case, multiple jump heights, et cetera. Mm -hmm. But you can always, I would never do it any other way. No, I know. I know. You just see, and it, part of it is because we see so many students that come in and say, uh, you know, I'm having trouble getting my dog to pay attention or, you know, st stays or distractions are oh, way. My, my dog to chase the other dog. Right. And my this dog's is attached to the other dog. Right. Absolutely. So, and yeah. I mean, I get it. I, I, I kind of understand because I did this when I was, and we talked about this earlier before I knew anything about, you know, family dog training is you think that they're going to be buddies. Um, you think that it's good for they your are dog. Now. Oh, they for are sure. Now. Absolutely. Uh, you just don't, at the time you think it's good for them just. Uh, be able to hang out and play the together. The one but... thing that I love so much, and all of my dogs do this, but B being a year and a half, she's the one that I notice it most. So she's integrated with all of our other dogs now. Yeah. No big deal. When I let them out in the morning, everybody goes outside and she goes out and then turns around and comes back in and then right. she jumps up on yeah. me and snuggles her head in as if to say, good morning, mommy. Yeah. And then goes out again. Like she chooses me yeah. over all of those other dogs because of all of that like one-on-one -on -one time we spend together and and i have to do things a bit differently because obviously we have a lot of dogs so if you have just one dog or two dogs life's a lot easier but when you have like a ton of dogs think about all the individual attention your first dog got and that your other dogs didn't so when i get a new dog i like to isolate them so that they really get that like full full blown attention yeah. um and it just means you have to divide your time a bit more like having a puppy is oh my gosh i, I am like no more puppies for a really long time because it's a lot of work right um but it's fun i like yeah well and puppy we talk, training is my favorite we talk yeah it, oh yeah i know kel kel loves puppy training and in our it. in our head start for puppies class uh i i can't help but like be happy when i go into those so obedience classes like they're, they're it's so adorable smart. i know i know and people are just so like happy when you know the puppy will lie down or sit or whatever well, like people it's just are so gratifying. just so surprised when like baby puppies can do stuff it's I like know. there's a brain in there that wants to do stuff <laughs> well we talked just for we talked for a moment about um, like being efficient, multiple dog household, or even if you're, you know, a one dog household and you're really busy. But 
being efficient with that training, uh, I mean, having that dog separated from the other dogs is one way of doing that because mm-hmm. you don't have to struggle with uh, distractions. You don't have to struggle with the dog not you know, understanding that you are of great value. Mm-hmm. So uh, that, that's really, really helpful. And uh, Chandelin Blake did mention that sounds like the, uh, the stuff that she's doing, which is really good. That's great. Um, you talked for a moment about how uh, going around to different places, you get to help lots of people you know you get to meet lots of people and that's how i kind of feel about the youtube community because we have a great youtube mm-hmm. community on this channel and i want to thank you guys for joining now this live stream normally our live streams are going to happen at seven o'clock at night but we have something pretty cool happening tonight and uh, if you visit the channel on monday at one uh, yeah monday at one um i'll have a video all about what we were doing because our publish time is one o'clock but normally our live streams our mccann dogs lives will be at seven o'clock at night so uh you, you know keep that in mind if you're looking forward to to a uh, you know next week's or whatever it pro- more more than likely it's going to be at Friday at seven. With that, I want to thank you guys for watching the channel. I want to thank Kale for all of uh, her uh, fun stories and, and learning more about uh, you know how uh, her, her uh, career as a, an agility handler and uh, coach started. Um, but on that note, I want to wish you guys happy training and bye for now. See you guys. <laughs>